Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Helen Lewis. And I want to tell you about a podcast I've made for BBC Radio 4 and BBC Sounds. It's called The New Gurus. And it's about how everywhere you look on the internet, people are giving advice. Advice they claim will transform your life. Advice that gets them thousands, even millions of devoted followers. These online prophets are telling us how to eat, how to think, how to get rich, how to find love, how to manage our time. So how exactly are these gurus changing our lives and the world around us? And who holds them to account? Find out by subscribing to The New Gurus wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com Hello and welcome to The Strange Boat Podcast. Joining me on this all-inclusive cruise is matchman converted to trout angler Martin Introner. He's a man with very strong views on his sport, especially the competition side of things, which he indulged in very successfully for quite some time. I think it's going to be an interesting chat, so uh, make yourself a cuppa or pour a beer and settle down. Martin, how the devil are you? I'll tell you what, mate. <laughs> what a fantastic introduction. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine, mate. I'm fine. Well, I like to you know, make Loving people, it. I like to make people aware there could be fireworks. Um, <laughs> we'll start at the beginning, I think. Where and how did you get into fishing? Obviously, you're a man from Nottinghamshire by your lovely accent, and I expect to be called duck several times. But uh, <laughs> how did you get into it? Um, five or six-year-old living in a terraced house. Often saw this old guy going all his gear and sticking it on his bike, putting the old all straight across the, um, the, the, the top of the, the frame. And um, I just felt like to find, find out what he was doing. So one time he come back, he told me they'd been fishing. And what's that? And a lovely old guy um, showed me all his rods. They're all cane rods them days. And um, I thought, I've got to have a go at this. Now, kids that age, five, six, seven, eight year old, you're allowed to do anything you want. You're out for day playing and things like that, unlike <laughs> nowadays. And um, what I'd done, I remembered what this rod looked like, and I nicked a cane off my dad's allotment. So he was going down to his allotment with him. And I got a bent pin, and somehow I attached this bent pin onto the tip of it, and then got a cotton reel, believe it or not, and used that as my line. And I had a rubber band, which I passed through this cotton reel. So it was like a little reel at end at rod, as you can imagine. And I made a bent pin hook and got a little lobworm or something like that. And I uh, went to my local Chesterfield Canal and I caught a gudgeon. And that was me hooked. <laughs> I just I just progressed from there, just kept going and going and going and going. Loved it. 
Getting, getting straight into the controversy here, I suppose that's how many of us started with a, with either a kind of bent pin and a kind of worm and a gudgeon or a little perch. I think it's a bit of a shame now that so many people's first fish is a carp. But uh, there you go. That's 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 a different story and a different argument, probably for a different. Oh, day. don't 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 get me going on that. Don't <laughs> yeah, get me going no, on com- commercials. No, I'll, I'll get you going, but not <laughs> not yet. Not not yet yet. So. <laughs> So, you, you, I mean, the Chesterfield Canal, I remember when I used to call on um, on dear old Kenwood Sports in Workshop. Oh, um, yes, he's still there. Is he still, is he still there? Still really? going strong, bless him, yeah. I bumped into Derek Randall in there one day. He used to sell cricket bats. So That's that right, was, yeah. Decent knots cricketer, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, yeah. Rags. Scruffy yeah. git, but he was a fantastic cricketer and a lovely, lovely person, I've got to say. A smashing shop, Kenwood's. And... Um, Chesterfield Canal wasn't far from there, and he used to tell me stories, and, and some of the guys in there would show me photos of the massive chub and big bags of chub they used to get from yeah. there. The cemetery yeah. length, I think, was the uh, was the popular one, wasn't it? The cemetery stretch or something? There was one, I think it was called that. But anyway, so the Chesterfield Canal, um, yeah, a, a, a good bit of water to start on, and, of course, that area, Worksop in particular, is, is very famous for the quality of its juniors that it produces, hasn't it? It's had some fantastic junior teams down there. Yes, I haven't really followed it for a while now. Worksman District, I think um, they've uh, given up some of their waters now, particularly on the Trent. Mm. And uh, yeah, they used to have a decent youth team. Um, the the canal has been a hit and a miss. I think we spoke once on messaging, didn't we, about the amount of chub that used to be in the in the Trent yeah. in the seventies, eighties, and it, it was the same exactly on on the canals. Mm. But they seem to have depleted. It's just str- so strange. I think they go um, in cycles. And there were a couple of good years, 76, 77, those drought, very oh, warm yeah. years. They they produced a lot of chub. So people are saying that like last year and the year before being quite warm, there's likely to be a, an, an influx of chub now. And it's noticeable on the Thames they're coming back. I mean, obviously, these ain't fish spawned in the last couple of years. But down yeah. where I live on, on the semi-tidal Thames, um, chub are quite a rare catch. Yet yeah. there's... Some most of the fry I was seeing in the last five or six years has been small chub, small chub and yeah. dace. And, and yeah. when they throw seine nets in a bit lower down to test the stock, believe it or not, the majority of the fish they catch in them are bass. Really? So, yeah, yeah. Well, as the flow gets less on the river, the tide comes yeah, up yeah. further. And there's loads of flounders and bass and mullet we see in the river down there. But that, that's, again, that's something a bit different. But you, I know you, you, you graduated to and grew very fond of uh, float fishing the Trent, didn't you? Uh, that was my go-to. Um, I'll show you something here, mate. You'll, obviously, we haven't got viewers, but just look at that. Oh, the is, is, that a, is that a Trudex? No, 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 very similar. It's a gypsy door made in England. Oh, yeah, I wonder who made yeah. that. Strange, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Could be anywhere around here. Could be around Nottingham. Could yeah, be Sheffield. Anywhere, we don't know. Yeah, no. But um, the old centre pin, yeah. Martin's just held up for, for uh, there's only two of us, can, we can see each other, but you can't see us, obviously. He's just held up a lovely centipede. I could turn around and show you two or three myself, but I'm not going to because yeah. that'd be, it'd, it'd be getting into, I've, I've got a b- box full of stick floats that I held up and showed some money the other oh. day. Forget, forgetting <laughs> we were the only two that could see it. Yeah. I just, I just love, yeah. love centipede and stick float fishing, yeah. hemp and tears and you name it, caster. Yeah. And people used to say there were a couple of clubs I used to be a member, and I'm pretty successful. Never at big matches, you know. I mean, I've never really entered the big major opens, even on on the Trent. I used to do the odd one at Old Marsh, but the local club competition I used to do very, very well on the Trent. And uh, there's some people used to say to me, "You know, how it is Keith, take that centipede and stick float off you in Trony, and you're knackered." Yeah, I've been told that not about the centipede, but I've been told that about the stick float. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, that's it. That's my preferred method every time. And if it worked, it worked. If it didn't, it didn't. But it's just what I chose to do. I just loved it. Yeah. There's so much. There's so much that you get out of it, controlling that float and the depths and... We know that. It's a lovely way of fishing, and, and the amount of flow that the Trent has still got a fair bit of flow, not as much as it used to have, and, and more than I've got down here. Um, but it's still got enough flow to make a day stick float fishing most days uh, quite enjoyable. And, and now the fish have yeah. come back in, in huge numbers. Um, uh, roach and dace, dace were, qu- were quite scarce when I was fishing the river in sort of the, well, on the lower river in the sort of early 80s up until the mid 90s 10 um 
there were a few dace about, but not. In fact, the first five fish I had on the national when I was second with dace at, um, yeah. yeah, so down by, down by Southall Racecourse at Caythorpe. So, yeah, they, they, they've come back. Lots of roach. I saw a picture of someone um, showing a roach off £2.6 caught on the Trent yesterday. Sadly, yeah. it was caught on a boil he intended for barbel. And then, and how about this? Somebody said, look at this. It's the same fish from the same peg. And somebody had a, a two pound, I think it was two six, roach from the same peg as this guy caught fishing for the same barbel. Incredible. And, and that is incredible because, you, you know, roach yeah. you'd think would be quite nomadic, wouldn't you? Move yeah, around yeah. a lot. Anyway, so. so have you, you seen, you, just on that note, have you seen the size of some of these bream that they're dragging out? Oh, yeah. yeah. Huge monsters. Yeah. I mean, we're talking proper dustbin lids like they used to call them in old days. Oh, yeah. yeah. Huge. And I think a lot of that is down to um, carp baits going in and, and pellets especially because, yeah. uh, in fact, I've just written a piece for my Angling Times column about tench and, and tench and bream are really the two fish that have benefited most on carp waters apart from carp because yeah. um, in my day, up until 1963, the record tench was £8.8. Well, the biggest one reported is £16.10, but that didn't qualify as the record. The record is £15 odd. And the record bream was £13.5 that was supposed to have been caught from Chiddingston Castle Lake in Kent, but apparently it wasn't. It was caught somewhere else and taken to Chiddingston Castle because the person who caught it wasn't really supposed to be fishing where he did catch it from. Um, And the the record's 13.8. Bream and it's twenty-two pound odd now for a record bream. So, so they probably and on obviously flourished on the river. The same I've seen one uh, on on the Thames here, eleven pound two, and that's that's a monstrous fish for a river. And I know there's been some big ones out the Trent and out the, the lower bits of the Great Ouse. So you you, you enjoy your <coughs> stick float fishing. You enjoy your stick float fishing, but yeah. if you if you mention in a crowd of anglers your name. People will remember you as a as a fly angler, won't they? So, so when and yeah. why was the change? Um, the old times when we used to have cl- proper close seasons. Um, you had to go to Ireland if you wanted to carry on fishing, or go over to Holland or somewhere like that, Denmark if you wanted to carry on. Um, the, even the canals weren't open them days, as you know. So uh, a mate of mine just says, "During closing, I go fly fishing." Oh yeah, so he introduced me into it. Um, I enjoyed it. Caught my first trout. He actually hooked it and I played it. I thought, yeah, I like this. And like everything else I put put my uh, hand in, I like to put in 100%. I don't bother at all. And from that day, I just progressed and progressed and progressed. I was actually using my uh, knowledge of fly fishing and nymphs and things like that and where they were, like your blood worms and your buzzers and your da- damsel nymphs and things, into my course fishing. And I think that helped as well, understanding the natural food um, cycle of, of, of the, the fish that you're trying to catch. They, it's natural to them to, to take a buzzer than where it is um, a maggot yeah. and such, or a boily or whatever, a lobworm, in fact. Lobworms get washed down in, in floods, don't they? But they're not, not a natural food no, as such. No. Uh, your bloodworm, yeah. And I got to the point when I thought, I like this, and I got into uh, these boat fishing competitions. We got a little... Cl- team up from workshop where i was from originally and we entered a big competition at the time called benson and hedges and we qualified um i think it was at rutland where we qualified didn't have a clue didn't have a clue about proper lock style just basics we made made it to an english final at grafham and we come last yeah i thought well that's okay it's a learning curve and um i kind of went at it on my own um People were seeing that I was so into it. No, they see me spending two or three days a week on like the likes of Rutland and Grafham, just trying to learn the trade. I got to know a few top anglers. Dave Shipman, he was one of them. Brian Ledbetter, double world champion. And I pushed myself forward, Keith. You know what I mean? I, I made a nuisance of myself, wanting to get to know the sport better, to the point where one of the local teams invited me to join them, to the dismay of all the workshop lads. They yeah. thought we, I was just leaving them in lurch. But that kind of propelled me into this sport, which I started to fall in love with, and I sold all my course fishing gear to fund this. Did, did you um, start then, when you say you, say you started tra- trout fishing, did you start on the big reservoirs? More or less. Um, Top Newton, that was one. Yeah. A few v- visits there. Um, Lady Bower, got to know some lads there, 
Uh, Mick Marshall was one of them. He was part of a Lady Bower Vikings team. Pretty successful as well. Not successful as the Rutland Kingfishers, I'll tell you. But anyway, <laughs> uh, um, I got talking to them. They kind of introduced me to the other you know, sides and aspects and invited me to other competitions. Um, and and that was it. It just kind of took off. I always say to people, you only get something out of something with the amount of effort you want to put into it. Mm. You can't you can't go go away for six months and not do anything. They go onto the reservoirs or something and expect to start catching as you before. Confidence is a key. And mm. I had a lot of confidence. I learned a lot from a lot of these people out there. It weren't just me learning on my own. You, I took it all in and, uh, yeah, got, got pretty successful. I'll tell you what's interesting in, in, in my view about the um, – the, the, and we're on the same thing, you know. We're on the reservoir stroke small still water kick, aren't we? Parallel, really, yeah. to, to match fishing. You've got the, the, the commercial fisheries – yeah. And your natural fisheries, and although Grafham, Rutland, etc., aren't natural because they, they would have the odd trout in, I suppose, because there yeah. are, you know, wild brownies getting into rivers that, that eventually lead to these reservoirs. But uh, there would be no such thing as a rainbow trout in any of those waters. So they're artificial stroke commercial to a sense. Yeah. But nothing like sort of your Divas and your Stafford Moors, as was, and, and, and um, Avingtons and, and, and the, the yeah. famous waters and and the two sports and i'm going to call them two different sports mm -hmm. they seem to develop in a completely different way where on the the commercial side of things started using the same sort of flies as you do as you'd use uh, uh, uh rutland grafham your naturals your buzzers your hoppers yeah. your, well hoppers are quite new but daddy long legs and 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 maybe a damsel although damsels are i'm never sure whether a damsel is a a, a genuine nymph or a lure i think it's a, it's a very good it's a very good thing to say i've caught it on a nymph and it's oh, a yeah. damsel nymph because it's exactly the same as a tadpole it's, which most certainly isn't a, a nymph it's, it's like it's like uh, just generalizing a wet fly there's that yeah. many wet flies or buzzers there's that yeah. many different types of buzzers so but, but that's not many, there's not many buzzers with um, great big um, gold beads on them. Yeah. Like that. It's got a two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but, um, but it, it's it's strange how how the two bits developed and and there's sort of like in in course fishing there's a, a sort of a left hand path and a right hand path whichever particular one you have to to follow and you definitely went down the natural route didn't you you you're, you're quite an ardent um, traditionalist I'm going to call you for want yeah, of a better yeah. word yeah the same on the rivers. It's yeah. exactly the same on the rivers. Uh, there's patterns which some people say they swear by it, but I've got to like the look of it. And I've got mm. to say to myself, is, is this right? Is this right or is it wrong? Is it just a point of fishing something because you know it's, I'll go down this path again within the ethics of your particular sport or just something to catch? That's the be-all and end-all, mm. catching. No, no, fishing is the be-all and end-all. And fishing within that the ethics of your particular type of fishing. Yeah, I've, that's I've how I've been. Yeah, I've got to say I'm a bit like that. I'm not as outspoken about it as you are, and I admire you. I'm hated for it. Yeah, I'm yeah. hated for it, Keith. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure there are some people that would have these strong people have strong views about everything, don't they? You can be hated for loads of things these days, sadly. And and you know, social media doesn't make it any better. But. You mentioned about the the, the Grafham and the Rutlands and and Tofts and everything. What sort of era was this? When, when are we talking about now? What time scale? Eighties. In the eighties, yeah. So they'd they'd been developing for a while, and as yeah. you say, the competition scene then it was it was quite quite new, wasn't it? This this boat stroke lock style fishing yeah. um, was was a pretty new thing. Yeah. Um... I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well it was all it was all kind of new to me, but there's there weren't many competitions them days. I think the only one that was going about was the Benson and Edges. Yeah. And that was massive. It was absolutely massive. And then um the individual ones that came out, oh Bob Church through Angling Times again, <clears throat> had the Bob Church Classic, which was strictly invitational to the cream of the sport. That's now all changed. Um, must be, must be, because I had an invite once. What <laughs> <laughs> a surprise! Me. We've even had your old goalkeeper there, haven't we, Mister yeah. Seaman? Yeah. But the, the, the funny thing was about my invitation to Bob. Invited me, me personally, and I've, I shared a boat with him. 
and uh, he just got the Columbia clothing account. Oh, and, dear. And, and he had um, a camouflage jacket on um, yeah. that had, had a tear in it. So he'd obviously taken it because it was it had been returned for some reason. Yeah. And um, it's, it's a lovely camouflage jacket. And every time I turned around to look at it, I went, Bob, Bob. Oh, thank God for that. I thought you'd fall in. I couldn't see you. And to, <laughs> by, by about three o'clock in the afternoon, he was really fed up with it. I've got to say that. <laughs> Love, lovely chap, Bob. And that, of course, that, that clothing, though, yeah, it was massive. Hey. If, you was, if you was a large, yeah. and they gave you a large in Columbia, it'd be about 40XL. It was American. That's why. Huge. Believe Absolutely. it or not, this, this Indian T-shirt that I'm wearing, the Mikasuki Tribe yeah. T-shirt, is a medium. And um, really, there's plenty of room for me in it. But uh, just, <laughs> but there. So, so you you got go into. So you're now in the Rutland Kingfishers, are you? No, no, no. That's all finished. Oh no! But you, we're now at the stage. Oh, in the story, Kingfish, you, yeah, it was a team King. called um, the Radcliffe Kingfishers. They called them. The reason is that many of the lads were kind of dotted all around the country, around the area. And at that time, uh, the Benson Edges were insisting that local teams had to be local teams. You couldn't have teams from outside the area entering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there was called the Radcliffe Kingfishers. So we had a little bit of success there. Didn't really win anything. Um, the few changes. I got the captain, sir. Um, I've got a couple of brothers, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of them, Ian and Craig Barr. Yeah. <laughs> not not really known on the circuit. No, no. But um, I think they must be about 16, 17, 18 when they come and join me. Um, just phenomenal anglers, phenomenal anglers. And I had another couple of youngsters, um, Robert Edmonds. Yeah, he's pretty well known. Yeah, on pretty, the circuit. pretty well. All known. very, all very, very successful anglers. Um, we just went on from there. We was, um, let's call it, we'll call yobs with blobs at one stage. I come up with this fly. I remember in the studios with you, and I says, "This is what we, I used to think was the original blob." Other people are saying, "No, the blob was brought from Scotland or whatever." But we won our very first Hardy team event on Rutland, using this blob, which I called the Captain Scarlet. It was just a copy of a heavily palmered fly that I got one of these other uh, successful anglers, and I used to use it on a top dropper with a heavy-aged, traditional, drenning traditional wet eight hook to hold it in the surface if it were a bit windy. Mm. And I kind of tied this Captain Scarlet up to look at it. God knows why I called it that, but anyway, that did the business. We actually won the won the event, and this fly really pulled these fish and just put two and two together. Why did they want that? It's like Daphne coloured. Why do fish go for that colour? Because of Daphne. So let's try this another way. Let's try another setup in his practice days for, you know, for the next events and different competitions. Let's try teams of them. And we just walk the floor with many competition fishing these blobs as such different colors and what we were doing we just um, not only getting the um aggressiveness from a trout that didn't really want to feed we was actually triggering that color that they were triggered onto you know with yeah. different colored daphnia and things like that and um one of the major organizers it was chris ogborn at the time um Nicknamed as Yobs with Blobs. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Well, you can understand. I can I can understand exactly where he's coming from because I, I'm seeing elements of fly fishing now, which I don't class as fly fishing, and that's why I'm getting a few angry people directing things at me uh, because I don't agree the way competition fly fishing has gone now. Not with just some of the tactics used. It's some of the rules, which is catch and release. Some people don't know how to catch and release a fish properly. There's a lot of fatalities, but some of the people say it's better to put a trout back which is slightly injured, alive, than bang it on back at head and put it in a bass bag. I don't know, um, but it's not where it used to be. And uh, unfortunately, I long, no longer compete. No, it's, it's funny, you know, since I mentioned dog nobblers, your your dog has gone quiet. I'm pro- perhaps he's uh, perhaps <laughs> he thought better of barking again. He, um, <clears throat> going, but so from someone that was that was the traditional um, wet fly, dry fly, 
buzzer angler. Um, yeah. Are blobs a traditional fly? Is the, the I, I I would say yes. Um, it's a law. First and foremost, it's a yeah. law. It's nothing else. No. Okay, you can argue that yeah, it's 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 the colour of Daphne. Mm-hmm. But I've not seen Daphne swimming at ninety mile an hour through the top of the <laughs> reservoir or whatever. It's Three just, quarters of an inch square. We, 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 we try and con ourselves into thinking, yeah, it's it's natural as natural can be, but. No, it's um, it's it's a pattern. It's a pattern which you cast out and you retrieve. Yeah, whether figure eighty pulling, fast figure eighty, whatever. Um, I, I think I mentioned it to you before when we used to fish them with sinking lines. We used to cart them down and put a little tune into his head, like a grand old Duke of York, and you retrieve that fly to that music. You know what I mean? So you twitch, yeah. twitch, 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 twitch. And the other one was a Tetley tea bag. The amount of competitions I've won. You know, individual bags or got good bags. Is a Tetley tea bag retrieve? <laughs> we spoke on Sky what? TV about this one. The, the Tetley, Tetley tea bag song. Yeah, you you pull that line, Tetley. Yeah. People will be listening to this and thinking, crazy, crazy. I'll yeah. tell you what, the next time they're on a reservoir on a boat or something, they'll do it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely right. Yeah, that, that's they'll it. Do it. That's completely true. So, and of course, lures are are allowed within the size constraints. In in yeah, fifteen sixteenths, fifteen sixteenths of an inch. There is down ship down, or I'll make a fly out of you. Um, so, get to the um, get to where we are now. So, did did you get onto the international scene? Did you ever did you ever have any um, ambitions of fishing internationally? Yes, yes. The one time I was invited to, invited to a pro am at Rutland, uh, not Rutland, Grafham. Uh, mm-hmm. It was a competition, the old English um, confederation against, let's say, up and coming anglers and some England internationals. With that, the first time I saw a guy called Gordon Bloodworth, with oh, his yeah. England blazer on and the badge, yeah. I thought, I want one of them. Yeah, I want one of them. It just some to, to fish for your country in any given sport. Has to be the highest accolade you could ever ever achieve, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You've been there. You know what it's like. Um, I've, so been, what I've, been, I've been there with people that have been international. So I've never been international myself, except on uh, something I was invited to make a video that we had an England team fishing against Portugal in Portugal and lost. But anyway, that's yes, I know what you well, mean. It would be a great honour to fish. Yeah. yeah, but because I'm surrounded with good team members and good friends at the time, and you're learning off each other, um, you pick up tactics, you pick up the odd fly. Okay, it might not be the fly, but if that gives you confidence to go out there and fish a certain way, it wor- it just seems to work. Mm. I would never fish with anything if I haven't got confidence in it. Oh, no, no. And it, that, that used to be the case. I mean, there's something which I, I meant to mention about moving from course fishing to uh, trout fishing. In course fishing, it makes no odds how good an angler or how experienced you are, all the, all the best baits, etc., etc. If you haven't drawn a peg with fish in front of you, you're not going to win. No. Now, what I liked about trout fishing, drifting boats, you can go where you want. If you get the first four hours or the second four hours, because you have two people, you might not know the guy from Adam who you've been drawn with. So he's got four hours on the engine. So that's telling, you know, asking where he, where he wants to fish, that's where you've got to go and fish. You've got no say in it. It might be two hours each, but you've got the opportunity to go fish an area where you're convinced this fish or an area you might say to him, I've been down the last couple of days, I've been slaughtering them. Or, Martin, I know it's your water. You're in charge of the boat. Take me to the fish. And I've done yeah. that lots of times. Yeah, And it's something you can't do in course fishing. Mm. It's that peg, isn't it? If you don't draw that peg, <laughs> you're knackered. Yeah, it, it it doesn't help. I've got to say that. I, I just want to. I've just thought of something as as we were talking. We, we sort of skidded over the, the catch and release side of things. Yeah. Um, I mean, go back to when I first started fishing. At first, started fly fishing, which was nineteen ninety two, and uh, I was introduced to the sport by Rick Nunn at, at Tackle Up in Bury St Edmunds, who was a customer of mine, and he used to have a couple of three Tuesday events. He, he closed his shop on a Tuesday couple of three Tuesday days at, at Rutland for his customers and he invited me along to one and and I didn't have any gear 
So uh, I borrowed some gear and he put me on a boat with Graham Barry, of all people. I mean, just imagine being on a boat with Graham Barry for eight hours. But, but he, he was great company, actually, Graham. And I caught a trout by my own devices. I caught it on something long and black and, and on a sinking line. And I caught a couple of big perch as well. But yeah. in those days, you a limit was a dream. And I know that many um, competition anglers – wouldn't get to a limit. So you got your eight fish and the competition was scored on time, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You get your time bonus. Yeah. Um, going back, you're reminding me on so many things when, when I first started out. If you caught three or four fish and they're only bloody pan stockies or whatever, yeah. you was always in with a shout. Yeah. It was very unusual, say, for more than a dozen anglers to come back with a limit because that's where it used to be. A limit, you fish to a limit. No time That's bonuses, right. you fish to a limit. Mm. England eliminators, anglers were getting in with three and four fish, certain venues, to get mm. into the England team. Nowadays, you've got anglers complaining if they haven't bagged up in the first hour. That's where it's gone. Yeah. The reservoirs are absolutely teeming with trout now, and you'll go out there and you'll catch eight fish in eight casts, and people are thinking that they've had a good day. Now, that's not for me, Keith. No. Mm. Where's the enjoyment? They oh. say you're in a competition. You're in a competition. You're in that competition to win, irrespective of how you win. Yeah? No. No. Where's the sport? I've, I've mentioned this to someone before, probably on 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 Strange Boat. But I was I drew one day next to Pete Clapperton, who who um, was at the time the owner of of, of Vandenheim Baits in the UK. And we drew next to each other on the corner grade stretch of the urn in Northern Ireland, and um, I was on a peg that was supposed to be a no-hoper, as it happens on the day, it was full of bream. And Pete was next to me in a shallower peg in a, back in a bay. Um, and he said, you know, I'm, I'm, the only chance we got here today is catching roach. Well, I know where I was going to catch fish for roach because I had 20 feet of water in front of me and I knew I wouldn't catch many. But he, he tackled up for roach and he started. In, and after about 40 minutes, he was catching one every throw. And he turned around and he said to me, do you know what, Keith? I'd never know whether when I'm catching a roach every cast, I'm in heaven or hell. He said, I can't tell whether catching one every cast, if I caught one every cast for the rest of my life, would it be yeah. like, like the golfer that puts the ball on the tee, Precisely. down the green and it goes straight in the hole every time. It, it, yeah. it's, it's not the same, is it? You, you need to, to have to put some kind of effort and, and um, expertise into it to do well so the, the catching a fish every cast thing always comes back to me there and, and, and as you say they catch eight fish and, and what they want to do is keep keep catching and they, you know they find out where the stockies have gone in and they go and hit the stockies or hit the boils yeah. or whatever without yeah. looking for that you know the, the overwintered fish the bigger fish go nip, nip, go down the, the bottom of the north arm or the top of the north arm as it would be and, and see what's knocking around Dickinson's in the weed beds if any yeah. big old browns will come up there that that yeah. or, or even in, in front of the harbour of course was one of the great places for browns wasn't it at, at, uh, at Rutland so yeah I, it's gone it's gone from fishing to catching catching yeah. yeah yeah that's where it's gone I mean I'm, I'm sure if people put their hand on their hearts, they'd agree with me that that's the way it's gone. And so many people have left the sport, not just the sport, but the competition side, because they don't want to compete in them scenarios. They don't want to be watching the clock. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Saying, well, I've got no chance here because I haven't caught eight fish and it's nearly 12 o'clock. We've only been on the water two hours. Yeah? And there's people already in the lodge. Do you think it's um, more fish in the water... Or do you think the techniques and tackle- more fish in the water, Keith? I can yes, say that more, straight away. More fish yeah. in the water. Yet yeah, when, yeah. when you when you think about it, they're now stocking fish at nine hundred grams and above, so they beat yeah. the cormorants. Whereas mm-hmm. go back to I remember one day Rick always had a prize for the biggest trout and the smallest trout. Yeah. And on one of the competitions I went on the bigger tr- biggest trout caught was more than 16 times the smallest trout caught because the smallest trout weighed in was 10 ounces, 12 grams, a rainbow. You will never, ever see that on, on a big reservoir now, will you? Because they're no. stocked, to be cormorant-proof, yeah. they're stocked yeah. at 900 grams. So I wonder then if the cormorants were depleting the stock because if the budget was the same for the number of fish, you're going to get a lot more 12-ounce fish than you are 2-pound fish for the investment. I don't think in the 10, 20, 30 years ago, let's say, 
Um, that's as far as I'm going back, if you like. We had the problems with the cormorants. I don't seriously. I don't think we had the mm. same problem. It's just grown and grown and grown. And uh, since they've become on the protected list, it's it's they're decimating fisheries like like trout fisheries. Mm. I'm not so sure on the res, rivers because people are always saying to me now. I mean, I go down onto the Trent more or less every single day. It's only my back doorstep now where I live. Mm. Um, Dunham's just five minutes up the road from me. You know, Dunham Bridge, and People are saying there's never been so much, so many fish in, in the trend. Yeah, yeah. But having said that, I haven't seen many cormorants along this stretch here. But you've got topside, the non-tidal, and you see them sat on all the buoys where the weirs are, lined up in their hundreds. Yeah, yeah the fishing up there is, is, is tremendous as well. Still good, yeah. yeah. I think it, I think that, that maybe um, once the trend recovered from the power stations being switched off, which had a dramatic, major impact on the sport. We know the river went gin clear, uh, the yeah. algae stopped blooming, um, the fish disappeared. Um, whether they disappeared from our keep nets or whether they just disappeared from the river altogether, nobody that. knows. But now the river has naturalised again, if you like, and it does carry a little bit of colour. That the it's, fish carrying, it's carrying a lot of mitten crabs as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, blow talk to me about those. We've, we've had – they'll probably die out because we used to have a load of those down here, you know, and there's nowhere near as really? many now as there used to be. Oh, yeah. And, and I've, I, anyway, I've got, I've got theories about that. I've got f- theories about uh, all these things need um, another uh, – when you when you get one generation of thing, when mm. if, if somebody introduces two mitten crabs and they produce a million mitten crabs and they produce two million mitten crabs, yeah. eventually the inbreeding kills them out. Yeah, and and I, I believe the same is true with crayfish, um, and possibly with barbel, and possibly with zander. Yeah, that unless they get new blood in, but well, all the rivers where barbel are artificially stocked, the stocks eventually decline. Even on the seven, as soon as they put a second batch of barbel in the seven, in I think seventy two or seventy four, so they became. In, indigenous now they're, yes. they're, they're breeding and succeeding but the first lot went in I think in the mid 1950s and by the mid 70s there weren't so many barbel as there used to be so but anyway that's that's a different story We're not where's, where's, where's all the small barbel Keith now, where, where they've they? always where they've always been mate you never catch them exactly you never catch them not and tench I've caught the odd decent sized gudgeon and I'm having to look at it three or four times now yeah. is it isn't it you know what I mean no it's a gudgeon but I've caught I've caught several of them out the trend in the nineties. Yeah. Of course, but but they were being stocked that size because yeah, yeah, yeah. when um you know they take tent they take um barbel out brood barbel the environment agency fish farm at Calverton take brood barbel out the trend and as payment I think it's something like sixty or sixty five percent of the fry. Yeah. are placed back into the trend. Now you would get nothing like sixty five percent fry survival in the wild. Nothing no. like. No. So th- there are more barbel, more small barbel in those days. I can't say now. I'm going back 25 years. In those days, you used to catch small barbel out trend. The Thames, in all the years I've fished the Thames, we used to have fish to size limits, as you know. And the Thames size limit for barbel was 16 inches. And in all yeah. the years I've fished the Thames, I've only ever seen in the flesh one barbel under 16 inches my mate did have a couple down here a few years ago and the barbel had disappeared down in our big ones and small ones whether they're still there or not whether they've gone is 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 another another um kettle of fish but they're they're natural here they're indigenous in the thames down here but yeah you don't see small barbel you don't see small tension you rarely see small carp and they're the three fish with another theory they're the three fish that spawn last yeah in the year, in the river, barbel of the fish that spawn last. They have tension rivers as well. But in lakes, tension carp spawn last. Perch spawn first. And by the time that barbel, tension carp have spawned, the tension are eating fry. So the, yeah. the perch, rather, are eating fry. So that, that's why I think they're thinned down and possibly one of the reasons why they grow big. But but let, let's get back to fly fishing. Um, I, I know you've been um, very critical of first of all let's talk about people bending the rules yes now one of the things about lock style fishing i think the rule is the flies have got to be in front of the boat at all times yes so you cast out and you retrieve faster than the boat's going or as fast as the boat's going and when you catch up with the flies you pick them up there's the hang and you often see trout i've done it myself not i've never fished a fly a, a trout competition apart from that one with bob which was a friendly thing anyway but yeah. fishing the hang you bring your, your, your top dropper up 
hang it on the surface, and you see trout come up and swirl. Sometimes they take, sometimes they don't. But mm-hmm. I, I know you were of the opinion there were people deliberately allowing their lines to go under the boat and using the drift to speed the flies along, weren't you? Keith, this is going back many years. I know it's many years ago. Yeah, and um, I'll try and do it briefly because I've gone through that so many times. It's basically, at the time, it destroyed my career in fly fishing, competitive fly fishing, for what I said. One of these competitions, there was allowing boats to trail their lines underneath the boat. Just casting the line as far as they could, put the rod down, make a cup of tea or whatever, eat a sandwich, then after five or ten minutes, start retrieving, and there's fish bouncing out the back of the boat because these fish were deep. It was a pure water. Mm-hmm. Now, Bob Church at the time, he called it mackerel fishing. Yeah. Then people knew them that knew each other, the top people down there, the chairman of the Confederation at the time, and I'll mention a name, Mr. Howitt. That's all I need to do. He coached an invitation, an invited team, check team down there, and taught them how to do this mackerel fishing as such. Totally against lock star rules. Totally against. And they actually won their heat against other English teams. There was uproar. Uproar. We was on the bank. We was on the second day. It was a two-day heat. We was on the bank and on the damn wall with binoculars and bird-watching scopes and everything, and watching them all over. Everybody's doing this. Not everybody, but the biggest majority. Let's say all the teams that qualified were doing it. Yeah. Complaints went in. Nothing was done. I was in a pub with other captains. We knowing that we're having to fish the next day. We either compete doing exactly what they did on the first day, or we just go home knowing that they're not going to stand a chance because these fish were lying about 40 feet down, hot weather, etc. So the captains there, I could name names on that, but I'm not going to. Said, Good okay, man. we'll do that. We'll do that. Yes. Very well known anglers as well. You know the key. Right, okay, if it's, anybody sees them doing it, we know it's going to be allowed. We'll all do it. Right. It happened, didn't it? I waved to my team, gave them the go-ahead, did exactly the same. We won. We won that day. Other captains that didn't qualify, that agreed they would do exactly the same, went to the organisers and complained. Yeah? <laughs> complained. You shouldn't have right? I went. I went to the organiser and I says, do you know what we've been doing out there? I'm perfectly aware what you've been doing, Martin. I says, well, I'm going to let people know. And just to keep other people calm, I says, if we get to the international final, which we had, and win it, I will let everybody know what happened this day and the day before. We won it. So here's Martin on the podium thanking everybody. And I just told everybody I wasn't happy about what was happening down in that heat where everybody, as far as I was concerned, was breaking international rules including my team, to compete. But we was allowed to do it. I said, it's all wrong. All of a sudden, papers. Martin Introners admitted cheating. I never used the word, Keith. Yeah. Never used the word. Fortunately, somebody filled my speech. I never used the word. And what it was, they'd, they'd taken two English caps off me. I'd qualified for the Spring and Autumn inter- International teams. Because I was pretty successful. Martin Introner, well-known. Let's have a little dig at him. Why do everybody hate Man United? Because they're successful. Why do everybody hate Man City now? Because they're successful. It was like the Rutland Kingfishers of Martin Introner at the time. Anyway, cut a long story short, I got my caps back, rewarded back to me, because they made an error. And I told them what to do with them two caps, which was one of my biggest regrets ever. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was an honest person, and I got murdered for it. I got murdered for it. I've been classed. None of me on the team, and I mentioned a couple of them earlier on who was in my team. None of them was ever accused of being a cheat, but Martin Introner was for bringing it out into the open. Yeah, Cheats don't own up and just come out, oh, I've just done that, I've cheated or whatever. I brought it out in the open so everybody would know what happened and hopefully it would stop it ever happening again. And did it? That's... No. No, there's still things happening, let's say. For instance, there was an eliminator not so long back on Grafham Water. I weren't in this because I decided not to fish these eliminators. I was just having time out. I was fishing my rivers, 
fly fishing on rivers and going back to my course fishing. And in this period of time, there's a heat at Grafham where the boats actually moored up onto a concrete platform near the sailing club, actually moored up onto it, and they were catching the fish. <laughs> How does that work? I don't know. It worked. There was uproar afterwards. People got banned and this, that, other sort of so I was told, but you don't hear nothing about it. Um, competitions where, uh, Keith, uh, this, this amazed me. This is somebody who's come to me and he's a top international lad. Right. I'm not going to, again, I'm not going to mention no, names, no. but if anybody wants to private message me and he said to me, he says, Martin, this bung fishing. Yeah. I don't like this bung. It's a float, basically, suspended flies underneath. You just chuck it out, end of the rod and hold on and wait for that. No, that's not fly fishing. This is the soaking the bungs in fish attractant. Yeah. Some of the lock style anglers are soaking their flies in attractant. And I said, well, how do you know that? Because they're changing flies every single drift. Why would you want to change flies every single drift? For the same pattern. If you're catching an orange blob, say. Yeah. You've just fished out your drift. You're catching an orange blob. You take that orange blob off and stick another orange blob on, which is identical. What? What's all that about? People are asking me. I said, I don't know. You work it out for yourself. It's gone. It's lost its identity. It's People are now competing just to catch. They're not competing to fish. It's a, it's a shame, really, that that's, that's come to the, the classic art of fly fishing, if you like, yes. because, you know, I've seen it, um, I've seen in commercial fisheries where um, the rules have to be adapted to suit methods that people work out um yeah. things like the method feeder was was um not allowed self-hooking yeah. rigs weren't allowed um floating, rigs, is it? Float, well on, on, on match fishing type of self-hooking rigs right. like the float the floating pole for example where yes. um you didn't have to hold your pole at all yeah you tied 18 inches of line to the top yeah. float it out there fire bait until the pole swings around because the carp swam away with it now that method was invented as far as i'm aware for a specific place on a specific day by some of the greatest anglers that have ever walked along the banks of rivers or lakes. And it was for Hayford fishery where yeah. the pressures of fishing pushed all the carp into what's, into what's now known as the mud line, yeah. tight to the far bank. And there were overhanging bushes and grass and one thing and the other. And if you missed a bite, you left your rig up a bush or you left a rig in the grass or you got a big yeah. tangle. So and it was Barnsley who did it, it and yeah. it was a brilliant idea to dispense with the float. Just push the rig over there, leave it, leave the, they had a float on first of all, then they realised you didn't need a float at all because you couldn't see it because it was under the water. Yeah. It was yeah. just tight to the top of the pole and just leave the pole there until the fish swam away with the bait and hooked themselves. So it, it was a great invention. The trouble is it worked everywhere. You yeah. didn't have to be under a bush. It could yeah. be on a lake, and it, and it took away some of what I go fishing for. I go fishing so my physical skills on the day yeah. beat the fish. And if I can beat enough fish to beat the blokes either side of me and the whole length of the river, the whole circumference of the lake, I win, that's that's great. But th th it's, it's not something that um, should have been publicised and, and – um, in my view, anyway, and, and promoted to the extent it was. And there's all sorts of things. I remember Gary Jubb, the lovely lad, fishes for, for Goldthorpe in, back in the day. He invented a rig for roach fishing on commercial fisheries where fish, fishing shallow, he put a floating polystyrene ball on a float with the line running through it with a shot underneath it so he could just leave the float where it was but adjust the depth yeah. by pulling the line up. Yeah, and and that now has turned. We're going back thirty years. That's now the jigger, right? And it's used for carp fishing, and it's perfectly valid. I've got no problems with that at all because there is a degree of skill to it. That, yeah. You know, you've got to make sure the floats in the same place. You've got to do so. So, but that's that's something else that's invented, and people have banned the jigger. The jigger's been banned by certain fish. Fishing too shallow has been banned. Floating baits. I, I, 
personally, I can't stand fishing with floating baits on a competition because mm-hmm. you can't technically feed. Because as soon as one of your baits enters a neighbour's peg, you've broken the rules of match fishing. So I don't think floating baits have got any place in match fishing right. at all. Yeah. But that that's 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 something else that, that has, has you have to make the rules in minutiae. You have to make the rules absolutely specific so they can't possibly be twisted. Yeah. You can't use a floating pole. So what you do, you use a rest, shove the pole out until it's four inches off the water with no float. Yeah. So now you've got to fish it with a float. So you put a float on, but you overshot the float so it sinks. Yeah. You got a float on. I, I remember I remember one very famous angler from down this neck of the woods, very, very famous Thames angler, not the one you'll think it was. This this club um, ran a match on the Thames, uh, the Middle Thames, and it was always run on the feeder with Chubb. So they decided they were going to make a float-only match. So he fished a float with a feeder. Little tiny pole float and a feeder. Chucked the feeder at the far bank, couldn't see the float. <laughs> on one Incredible. So, so, yeah, I, I can understand that. But now this, this bung, I, I know you're not a friend of the bung anyway. You're not a, a friend of, as you've called it, stick float fishing for trout. I know you're not a, a, a fan of that. <clears throat> But I, I, it's the first time I've heard about the uh, the, the tainted flies, the flavoured flies. This is what's come to my attention. I mean, I've just said, look, if people are suspecting things like this, then report them. Report if it's them. against the rules. if if it, if it Because the thing is with these, Martin, if it doesn't specify you can't use artificially flavoured baits, you can. It, it, it so you then specify. have to make another rule in, does it? Oh, it does, does it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, then it should um, be well <laughs> all I can say is if I if I'm not a fan of something I'd like to think I'm educated on saying whether or not I like it or dislike it if mm. if, if that makes sense yeah now my lad he was eight year old Oliver he's now 27 next Jesus where does it go um I once took him out on Rutland he wanted to have a go with his dad yeah, he'd heard all about this fishing. He'd seen me get the mag- writing in magazines, things like that. Anyway, um, I took him on Rutland. What's the best way to get him catching? I'll stick tube flies out. Yeah? yeah. yeah. And just troll them out the back of the boat. Just cast them out, troll them out the back of the boat. Fishing a rudder, Northampton style. Basically, yeah, fishing fish a rudder, Northampton style, exactly. Yeah. Well, what I'll do after we've done this chat, I'll send you a photograph of that particular day. And mm-hmm. you'll see the beaming smile on his face. We've got the fish all lined up because there's no catch release them days. Yeah, so some of these photographs you might see in me with a load of dead fish. Uh, they all went to a good use. But anyway, some huge fish were caught all on this Northampton style, yeah. fishing these tube flies. He wanted to go again, so I decided to take him to Grafham. Um, I thought, I'll set something else up, something a little bit more interesting. Just come out, this bung fishing, Yeah. So basically, just a lump of foam, hook that went through it. I tied it to the end of the floating fly line. I set him th- three buzzers up, three foot apart. And all he was doing, Keith, was end at 10 foot rod, couldn't cast, just flicking it out. So he weren't going much further than 11, 12 foot, just flicking it out and holding it. It caught fish after fish after fish. All right, I took him to the fish. I set him up. He caught fish after fish. And he said to me, Dad, I'm bored. I want to go home. Yeah. That was the last time he went fishing with me. Really? Yeah. So what does that tell people about the method? Yeah? First and foremost, you've got to have an idea of what you're putting on the line and whatnot. But it's not all that important. Find yourself an area which is 10, 12 foot deep. Yeah? Plenty of areas around Grafham, all the North Shore, around the dam, etc., etc. Some areas anywhere around it. Where the fish is supposed to be. Just flick it out there and they hook themselves. I call it hook-a-duck. So that's mm-hmm. a commercial fisheries, but we're not going there. <laughs> I said there's no place for this in competitive fly fishing. Yeah. But when you get in anglers that aren't quite that good, I call them non-achievers. And I've had a lot of stick off these non-achievers because of my thoughts on this bung fishing in competitions. They've now got an international bank competition, which I don't know if they're spring in autumn or it's just one international where there's the eliminates on these small i call them small puddles found puddle internationals where they're actually giving international status to to anglers 
that fish from the eliminators straight through to the international by just fishing bungs. Now, come on. Come on, let's draw the line. What well, was they, the... Might be able, they might be able to fish different methods, but they don't need to. No. no the thing I was told about, about fly fishing when I started, the two things you have to, you, that are most important, forget about what fly you tie on, depth and speed. Yeah. Get the Location. depth. Fly. Location. Yeah. Yeah. Location, depth, depth yeah. and speed. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. And they, I mean, I've, I've been and done it. I went with, I made a film for Tight Lines at Letchlade, which is you know, tailor made for it. And we struggled to catch on it, but we did because I wanted to show people how to do it. And then yeah. you don't have to do it like that, that, that kind of thing. But, and, and, and it does, you know, if it's going to keep people in the sport, then <clears throat> by all means do it. But competition wise, come on, it's not lock style, is it? It's not really, it's not, I don't think it's, that's in this. It's, it's, it's not, it's not. Fly fishing, it's no. float fishing. Float That's what fishing. Brian Ledbetter, the ex-world champion, used to say. He said it to me, Martin, it's not fly fishing. Who's Who can argue against a guy with his record? Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? The amount of wins he's done. And the, no, no, that's where it's gone. And therefore, I've, I've had a few arguments, a few heated arguments, a few, let's say, uh, nasty comments, yeah? Mm-hmm. They even have a, a WhatsApp group directed at me. Believe it or not. Really? <laughs> Just abusing Martin Introner. <laughs> now, the thing is, what I'm saying is, I don't know if you've noticed on my Facebook the last few days, I've been posting profile pictures of nearly all my successes, the trophies I've won, the competitions I've won, all the medals, all the... You know what I mean? I've got them all here at the side. Just putting them on so they can see. And I suggest to say to them, as soon as you've achieved that much of what I've achieved, then we'll have a conversation. Mm. Yeah. Don't just mock me. Don't pull, try and pull me to pieces and basically online bully me. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a person to be bullied. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> uh, so you, you, you've got into, you, you've also, I know, got very big into tying, haven't you? You're, you're very much into tying flies. I love, I love tying flies, but I've, I've also reached that stage where, I've kind of lost interest in that. I've got all the flies. You know what I mean? I've, uh, in fact, Martin, uh, I've just got to correct you there. There is no such thing as all the floats. There is no such thing as all the flies. There is no such thing as all the anything to do with fishing. In so, rods. Yeah. No, 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 no such thing. Just so, you know, you, you, you've got to sort yourself out a bit there. Definitely no such thing as all the lures. I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah, I, I know what you mean. They have all these hundreds of patterns, and yeah. we always go for the same ones. Of course. Do yeah. you know when we fished the last time at Rutland, and you yeah. says, right, I'm going to start with this, I'm going to start with that. And I just says to you, no, you're not. <laughs> and I kind of quickly explained to you, you don't need that. Put yeah. these buzzers on. Yeah. And you did well, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've been very lucky when I've fished with, with great anglers. I really it's have. just It's just knowing what patterns yeah. to put on. Once you get that knowledge, and trust me, I worked hard to get my knowledge from other people, yeah. your Dave Shipman's and whatever. I'll put the arm up the back of the back. So, Come on, Dave. What did you catch? I don't know. <laughs> Let me look in your box. I'll pick all the wet ones out. Yeah. You've been using that. Um, it's, it's, that, that, that's, that's what it is. That's what it yeah. is. That, uh, no, this, it's changed so much, Keith that I've fallen out of, of love with it. With just the competition side, Martin? Or the, the competition the whole... side and the whole side. What I've got now in front of me is um, all my river fly fishing gear, which I yeah. keep hold on because I love that. I love fishing for wild fish. I yeah. love fishing properly in my own way. I'm not so bothered about the competitions. I've done nationals and whatever at that level. I've now got all my course fishing gear back together. I already, already kept so much. But now I've got the proper platforms and everything like that. So I can stick umpteen rod rests and keep nets and things like that. But I won't be touching the commercials. That doesn't interest me. So you now can only go to places where you can park behind your peg. <laughs> park behind my peg. And uh, basically catch wild fish, which is yeah. on my doorstep, as I say, the River Trent. Um, you only do what you enjoy doing. You shouldn't do anything that you no longer enjoy. And for me... The years of me complaining about how the fishing's gone, I've just been outnumbered from people that were half my age. Well, half my age now, 
and they were just little kiddies at the time when competition fly fishing in this country is absolutely phenomenal. Mm. Yeah. So they're coming into an era now where basically anything goes, they can't see anything wrong with it. Yeah. yeah. One of my friends, actually, you, you may know him because he used to fish the Bensons. Well, a couple of them used to fish the Bensons. But one you, you might remember is Brian Gent. He used to fish with Bob in Bob's team and he, he was around all the time. He, after about 40 years of only fly fishing, certainly 30 years of only fly fishing, mm-hmm. has now gone back to course fishing again. Got all yeah, the toys. I keep swapping and changing. Yeah. I keep swapping yeah. and changing. Yeah. I used to be bailiff uh, a few years ago on the Ashfield waters. Oh, yeah. Big club around this area. Yeah. Ashfield Anglers. Yes, uh, big club. Then I got invited back to go and fish for uh, Ian Barr's team. That got me back into it. And then we've gone full circle again, and now I've gone into my course fishing again. Yeah. It's just and changed. It's, it's, and I don't recognise it. No, I bet you don't. I bet you don't. But you've gone into it at a good time. You've gone into it, and there's a few fish, mate. Mm. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And you can get yeah. your stick flow out and run it down. And Well, the good thing about that is the tactics and things like that don't change no. with course fishing. Nor the, skills, nor the skills to use them. That doesn't change. And I've still got some of John Dean's old stick floats. Have you oh. seen them? That's what I was going to show you, mate. I've got them. I've got a tube when take, somewhere. When he takes the side off them at the top. Yeah. When you're holding them back. Yeah. 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 I've, got any, I've got those. I've got, I've got the, the, I've got the ones that were sold under his name. And uh, in fact, I'm going to dig them out because I've got to do a bit of a film in a couple of weeks time. And, and yeah. I want to use his, I think it's the four number six, might be the six number six size. I can't remember, but it's yeah. perfect for the swim that I think I'm going to fish on the day. Those, those with the plastic stems. stems. No, no, no. These are the wire stems. Right. Yeah. These are the wire stems. I, I, I'm not a fan of plastic stem floats. I like. I, hmm. I, they've got a place, you know. I, I like. Yeah. I fish plastic and lignum and cane stems when I'm fishing a long way out. Yeah, yeah. But when yeah. I'm fishing close in, I prefer to use wire stems and in yeah. oily, funny water. You know, I'm, I'm into my yeah. wire stems. But it'll be uh, hemp and tears next time I'm out. Yeah. Hopefully, yes. a few casters and maggots can go in. I just lovely. love that. I love that. Proper fishing, Keith. Proper fishing. Proper fishing, mate. Fantastic. So that's where I like to feel educated going back on this float fishing thing for trout. Yeah, yeah. I do feel educated that it is not not fly fishing. No. A lump of foam is not a fly. No. It's a float. It's a means to an end. But unfortunately, that's where we are now. If if it keeps keeps people into fishing and it keeps fisheries open, then fair play. Yes. As you say, it's us old geezers, well, this very old geezer and you, um, probably prefer to do other things. That's correct. That's correct. I, I'm even so terrible, mate, I've never even tied on a blob. Bless you. I've got them, and I've never tied <laughs> I've got them because, you, you know, on tight lines, I accrued quite a few flies over the years, and yeah. uh, my base coat is just behind me there. And, and I could go. Can I send you some? Yeah, you did. You sent me some. They're, they're in the box with um, they're in the box with some that I bought from uh, from young Mister Barr. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yes, they are, and and, and perhaps one day, given a fair wind, uh, we'll be able to use them together. Oh, I've still got so much gear left. You know, I've still got yeah. uh, rods and odd reels, but most of the stuff I've uh, either sold or given away. I've got a friend that's really got into fly tying. Call him Tony Salters. Um, it's one of these people that takes to anything. You yeah. teach him how to play golf, he'll hit it straight down that fairway. You know, it's yeah, is uh, Jimmy Bullard's sat- like that. Jimmy Bullard <laughs> is one of them. Oh, he's, he's so annoying. He can throw 100 in darts, he can clear the board in yeah. ball, in snooker. Urk, hate him. He's got um, salmon fishing, he'd never done any salmon fishing whatsoever. So he had a go at casting a salmon line, took to it within minutes is now going on the big rivers catching salmon. Amazing. So he's now tying his flies and everything. And if you got any equipment, I says, Tony, because you're so enthusiastic, I can't see me using it. There you go. I'm getting two big boxes of equipment. Yeah. So that'll keep him happy. If well, I need we, any flies tying, I'll just get into them. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to leave it there, mate, because we run out of time. But I'm just going to tell you, as you've brought up the subjects of salmon flies and fly tying, somebody recommended a book to me um, a very short time ago, which I've bought, and I'm now almost halfway through. It's called The Feather Thief. Really? It is an absolutely – it's a true story. 
I mean, oh, it might be embellished a little bit, but it's yeah. a true story and it is absolutely fascinating. Um, I've about got books all over me. About <laughs> tying salmon flies. Yeah. And it, 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 it's based on somebody tying salmon flies and the feathers that were used to tie the classic yeah. salmon flies from a century and more ago. And, yeah. Um, yeah, The Feather Thief. I won't tell you any more about it than that, but it is, the book is it's about, exactly about the title. It's about someone stealing feathers. And uh, it's a great read, even for a non-angler. Someone that doesn't yeah. go fishing would get enjoyment out of it because it's not, it's not about fishing at all. It's about What's this book that you've um, you're endorsing that you've forwarded I've, 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 I'll tell you a quick story because we're going to we're going to a, a, a signing session on Sunday. Um, Brian Bennett, great angler from Warwickshire Raven, asked me to contribute a chapter to his book, which I did. Yeah. He then asked me to contribute the forward to his book, which I did, and he sent me a copy of the book and he forgot to put my chapter in. You're joking. <laughs> so I, 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 I've got the forward so, because the person who set the book up for him saw my name, saw a chapter with my name in it, which happened to be the forward, ticked it off. So yeah. the actual chapter is missing. So he sent me um, a clutch of chapters the other day that we're going to do as a bonus chapter. So anybody who buys the book from him or buys it on Sunday will get a personally signed bonus Brilliant. chapter uh, about me fishing the Warwickshire Raven on the, uh, the Evesham Festival. Okay, mate, Brilliant. we're going to leave it there. It's been fabulous talking to you, and I'm lucky enough I've been able to see you as well, and it's, it's like revisiting old times of tight lines, and it's been an absolute pleasure, mate, and I look forward to doing it again very, very soon. Yeah, but then uh, we'll get out on that uh, big puddle. On the big pond. Keep my fingers crossed for that, mate, yeah. Great talking right, to later. you. Nice to Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Cheers. My thanks to Martin Introna for joining me on The Strange Boat. He's a real character and an absolutely top-flight angler. It certainly made me want to get back out on the bank with a flyer in hand. Without bungs, of course. Don't forget, there's plenty of previous Strange Boat podcasts available. We're approaching Armada status now. And please remember to like, share and subscribe. I'll be back soon for another voyage on The Strange Boat. So until then, thank you for listening and tight lines. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi there, I'm Kendra Adachi, and I host the Lazy Genius Podcast, a show that helps you be a genius about the things that matter and lazy about the things that don't. But here's the kicker. You get to decide what matters, not me. I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm here to give you a new way to see. Episodes are around 20 minutes and are full of practical, helpful information, as well as a lot of permission slips to do what makes sense for you. New episodes drop every Monday and cover a broad range of topics from laundry and getting dinner on the table to finding work-life balance and organizing your inbox. So I invite you to give the Lazy Genius Podcast a listen. Together, let's stop doing it all for the sake of doing what matters. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.